You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And today, it is a new week. We are going to continue on with our summer of offseason mayhem. So much happened in the NBA last week, and a lot of it kind of relates to the Pacers. So that's what the show is on today. There's some actual Pacers E news, I guess Pacers adjacent news, that we're going to talk about in the first segment today. And then there was a bunch of coaching shakeups in the NBA last week that all sort of affect the Pacers. We're going to talk about that. Actual coaching search updates, I guess. And then in the third segment, some other stuff happened in the NBA that I think could have some effect on the Pacers or at least kind of scope out the offseason for the team. So it's a it's a heavy show of news, Adam traveling, so it's just me today. And of course, this week is also, this is our first bit of news, this week is the draft lottery, the NBA draft lottery affecting the Indiana Pacers. They are 13th in odds. Is on Tuesday. It's tomorrow at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Adam and I will do a show tomorrow previewing the lottery, what the odds mean, what the Pacers could want to do there. So that's your first bit of Pacers news. This is lottery week. So your reminder, and again, we'll break this all down in much more detail. Tomorrow, the Pacers at 13th in the lottery. They have a 4.8% chance to jump in to the top four. One, two, three, or four. They have a 1% chance on the dot of getting the number one overall pick in this draft. We'll find that out tomorrow at 8.30. We'll have a much more in-depth lottery preview tomorrow night. But that's only sort of newsy. The rest of the week, we'll break down the results of the lottery and do kind of, uh, for our player season recap, then we're going to do youth week um, because it's lotto week. So it's going to be uh, O'Shea Brissett and Cassius Stanley, the two of the two of the youngest players on the team. But, yeah, that's the that's the the general Pacers news to watch for this week. They have the lottery coming up tomorrow, which is pretty big for them, right? They If they jump up in the lottery, that, that could change the way they scope their coaching hire, change their free agency plans, uh, their roster construction plans in general. So that's kind of like the first holdup on, the, on their entire offseason of planning, besides obviously hiring a coach. So that's the big biggest Pacers news this week. NBA Draft Lottery, 8.30 p.m. on Tuesday. The second thing, Nate Bjorkren. Back in the news for the first time since he was let go by the Pacers, uh, Blake Murphy, who covers the Toronto Raptors and Canada basketball for The Athletic, uh, reports Nick Nurse's staff, this isn't even a report, I think Nurse said this in a presser, Nick Nurse's staff for Team Canada uh, for their upcoming FIBA stuff in the Olympics features Nate Bjorkren. He's an assistant for that as well. Uh, I assumed that you know him going to be a part of that team and heading down to Tampa would be a reason his firing would happen prior to the 16th. That appears to be correct that he is an assistant on that staff. It makes me wonder if he'll go back to Toronto and be an assistant under Nurse again next season. And you know, just they spent the one year apart. Uh, things didn't work out for Bjorken in Indiana, and then he goes back to what he's familiar with under his old coach. In Toronto, but Bjorkren, yeah, confirmed he is going to be an assistant for Team Canada. Again, he has done this before uh, in 2019, I believe. I don't remember what the exact international basketball thing was back then. I remember Miles Turner played for Team USA in the summer of 2019. It was another FIBA thing, but yeah, Bjorkren back coaching. He is an assistant for Team Canada this summer, um, and that could have been interesting because O'Shea Brissett is 
Canadian, and he had played for Team Canada before and was initially on their roster for the um, the training camp they were going to be doing down in Tampa. He had a pretty good chance to make their team. You know, his season with the Pacers was good, so he looked like one of the stronger forwards. He had, of course, been on Team Canada before. Uh, but Blake, the guy I just said who reported the and you know, confirmed that Bjorken is on Nurse's staff, initially said, sounds like O'Shea Brissett's not going to be there in a tweet. And then this is the last bit of really actual Pacers news, which has been kind of slower this summer, obviously. Uh, it's the offseason. Everybody's getting away. But O'Shea Brissett not actually going to be playing with Team Canada this summer. So he he mentioned uh, at his postseason presser that he likes playing for Team Canada. Uh, and, you know, he's done it before. Um, but... He, he didn't confirm it. Well, Scott Agnes got the scoop uh, for Fieldhouse Files. He reported that O'Shea said officially not playing with Team Canada this summer. The cited reason, according to Scott's source, is that um, Brissett has his salary is non-guaranteed next season and he wants to be healthy for the important year ahead of him. And I think that makes sense. I think Blake kind of hinted that that was a reason for it. But, you know, if he plays for Team Canada and he gets hurt, you know, and it's really a bad injury, right, the Pacers could decide they don't want to bring him back. And Brissett... As a guy who, you know, he made probably over a million dollars last year between his G League contract, his Raptors contract, and his Pacers contract, but hasn't made that much in his NBA career, right? He was on a two-way his rookie year and then had this really bouncing around year with the Pacers. So $1.7 million basically double his career earnings uh, up to this point. So locking in the – I mean, he, he, if he doesn't get hurt, he's basically locked to make the roster, right? So I think for him, it makes a lot of sense financially to decide to not play for Team Canada. So he, we will not see international basketball – from O'Shea Brissett. We did see from uh, Lithuania Basketball's Instagram, shout out to Kaylin Cooper of Indy Corner for catching this, that Sabonis is with that team. They have to go through qualifiers to make the Olympics. But if they make it, it looks like Sabonis will be playing for Lithuania in the Olympics. So there could be a way to watch Sabonis play some hoops this summer, which will be fun. I did forget about that when I was going through notes of Pacers news for the show. But yeah, Sabonis uh, featuring a picture for them in practice. So it looks like he could be a guy... Who's available? Well, but yeah, interesting for O'Shea. Like throughout the season, right? He had to move to um, Indiana, like mid-season, right? And then COVID was going on, so he had to quarantine in his hotel. He couldn't really get his family there. It wasn't like necessarily a permanent thing since he was only with the team for like a month and a half. So he he didn't see his daughter for like a month and a half to end the season. So I think you know beyond the financial stuff, it's good for him to just have a summer to settle down, see his family, see his kid, um, and take that time away from basketball to prep for next season to make sure he's healthy. So. So good decision for him, honestly, and of course he's going to make the best decision for him, which for him is not playing, and that makes a lot of sense to me. But uh, so there will not be Brissett Bjorkren linking up with Team Canada. The draft lottery is this week. Sabonis looking like he's going to be playing for Lithuania if they make the Olympics. That is our Pacers news. It's not really anything groundbreaking or team changing, but there was a lot of other NBA news last week that could cause groundbreaking or team changing stuff. For the Pacers if the lottery doesn't do it for them. So let's talk about all that. A little, It's more Pacers adjacent news, but still really interesting. But first, got to talk to you guys about Indeed because you, if you're hiring for your company, you're the hiring expert. And what you really need is help making your shortlist of quality candidates. And you need to make it easier. And you need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. And that is where Indeed comes into play. They're the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post, screen, and interview. You can do it all on Indeed. You'll get a quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes match your job description faster. You only can get the people who have your must-have qualifications. They make connecting and hiring the right talent fast and easy at Indeed with tools like Indeed Instant Match that gives you quality candidates immediately and their skills test that reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from over 130 skills tests, then add your must-have requirements. You only 
get applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all their job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. So get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked, L-O-C-K-E-D. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. So we talked about Bjorkren, segment one. This is where the coaching stuff gets really juicy. The NBA just went crazy, crazy, crazy last week, both in terms of actual basketball and in terms of coaching changes. And then it just all impacts the Pacers, right? All this stuff happening at the same time. We talked about how Adam and I did on Locker Room and on the show, you know, when Stotts got fired and when Brad Stevens got his promotion or moved to another position, whatever you want to call that, and Steve Clifford got fired, right? Okay, we thought then it's kind of like this This doesn't necessarily put pressure on the Pacers, but because other teams now have openings, you're competing for the job. This makes you have to start really get going on your discussions on moving on from their coach. They fired Bjorker in about four or five days later, officially. Um, so at that time, there were four openings, and then a fifth one opened up not long after. Well, since then, things have gone crazy. So last week... I have four bits of news that affect the Pacers coaching front. Three of them are actual openings slash newly available coaches. So first up, the Washington Wizards do not agree to terms with head coach Scott Brooks. He will not be returning as the head coach of the Washington Wizards. Wow. Um, so th- there was some optimism that that could happen, that he could return, but now he's not going to. Um, Brooks is is interesting. He's a player development, more specialized coach. Right? He did a good job taking OKC and those young guys from – you know, young lotto guys to a connected group that got to the finals and they got to play that the Heatles then. That was the Heatles' first title, remember? Um, and then when they moved on from him in OKC, he went to Washington and he's helped Denny Avdia get better and Rui Achimura get better, right? And Thomas Bryant's gotten a lot better under him. So he's good at the player development stuff. So in theory, if the Pacers like blew it up this year, summer or something, I guess Scott Brooks could be a good fit. But I don't think Scott Brooks is necessarily a good fit for the for the Pacers head coaching search, so in that way that the Wizards firing not not a direct hit on the Pacers for anything, and that's an interesting competition of, of hires. So like if you had to rank the openings in the NBA, I think there's eight head coaching openings now. Seven, I think, is the actual number. Uh, Orlando, Portland, Indiana, Washington, New Orleans. We'll get to that one in a second. Dallas and Boston. Yes, there are seven current head coaching openings. Um, but yeah, Scott Brooks probably not a great fit for the Pacers. And the Wizards are going to be, it looks like the, some of the shortlist guys are, like Wes Unsell Jr. was the first, the big first name that popped up. Um, so who knows what kind of thing they're looking for with that Wizards team. But maybe they'll be they'll be competing for about the same kind of coach as the Pacers would be. So that could be more competition, uh, which makes the Pacers process a little bit harder. But who knows exactly what they're looking for. You never really know in the NBA these days. Um, but certainly not necessarily a guy with more player development focus. Is It would be a prediction for me. Um, for the Wizards. So we'll see. That That's an interesting job because it could be attractive. You get to coach Russell Westbrook and Beal, but that could become disastrous so fast if like, Beal demands a trade or Russ gets any worse. So that's an interesting one. I would rank that job a little bit behind the Indiana job. Uh, the next one, New Orleans. Parts ways with head coach Stan Van Gundy. Another, like Nate Bjorkren, one and done firing. He was only the coach of the Pelicans for one season. Did not go well there. They had higher expectations he kind of, you know, he he's an he's an older school style of coach with a very young roster that fit did not make a lot of sense from the jump to me, and it clearly didn't work out there. 
in New Orleans. So they moved on from Stan Van Gundy after just one season. Similar thing to Scott Brooks where he is maybe a little better. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The player Clearly the communication stuff wasn't there with the young guys in New Orleans. So calling, I guess he's better at, the, at defensive stuff, but the Pelicans weren't really good at defense. I don't think Stan Van Gundy's that good of a coach anyway, so he probably just isn't a good fit for the Pacers. And then the Pels are an interesting uh, com- competition thing with the Pacers in terms of candidates, right? That job's got to be super appealing. You get to coach Zion F. and Williamson you know, for his important years. He's coming into year three. He's going to be an absolute lock for all-star probably on NBA next season. You're guaranteed to have that guy on your team for three years. So that's got to be a very appealing job. I bet they'll be looking a little more player development-y, and it sounds like they're looking at some internal candidates. But you can't mess up this hire if you're David Griffin. Uh, you got to get it right. You have Zion Williamson on your team. So that's an interesting one as well. Again, more openings just continues to make things more interesting for the Pacers and what if they want their guy they really got to go get him because other teams could want them who knows so that was another one Stan Van Gundy out doesn't make sense for the Pacers but the opening certainly changes then the most surprising fire and firing might be the wrong word but Rick Carlisle out in Dallas Uh, they've had some big shakeups and we'll talk about another one of their big shakeups in the next segment but yeah former Pacers coach Rick Carlisle no longer the coach of the Dallas Mavericks Uh, some instant reporting linked him to the Bucks I believe that was Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report and then Tim McMahon of ESPN on the Hoop Collective podcast. I think it could have been low post. Honestly, I listened to so many basketball podcasts last week um, because of all this news that I can't remember the exact source. But it's from Tim McMahon's mouth. He kind of linked Carlisle to the Pacers as an option. That's interesting. So Rick Carlisle, very good like at the basketball part of coaching. Very good. Won a championship. Did a great job with the Pacers. Has done well with the Mavs despite them not winning around in a decade. I don't think they would have been favored in any of those series. Besides the We Believe Warriors, except that was actually before 2011, so what the hell am I talking about? Anyway, um, Rick Carlisle's a good coach, so interesting that Tim McMahon connecting him to the Pacers, you know, he'd be a good coach if they hired him, but you know, something that is interesting here uh, is that, you know, Kevin Pritchard stressed last year, they really want a communicator, right? They really want a guy who can relate to the level of the players on the roster, and then Bjorkren couldn't do that at all. In fact, it was probably his biggest shortcoming as a head coach. He was, he was pretty bad at that. He admitted that himself throughout the course of the season, saying he needed to get better at it. Carlisle, for all his brilliance of X's and owing, has kind of been, you know, he's got the reputation as a, as a not necessarily a great communicator. Um, it's more of a brash guy. And when, again, you're a great coach on the X's and O's part, that kind of gets forgiven, right? I talked about that with Bjorkren a lot this year. If he was just bad at the off-court stuff, but he was good at the X's and O's part, he'd still be the coach of the Pacers. If he was just bad at the on-court stuff and he's a great communicator, he'd still be the coach of the Pacers. He was bad at both. Rick's maybe not bad at communicating necessarily. And communicating is such a, a blanket word here for just general. Kevin Pritchard called it human management, but just general human interactions, right? He has not been as good at known to be as good at that. So if Pritchard still is searching for that communicator and that guy who can really relate to his players, I don't think Carlisle is necessarily a good fit. And I get why that would be super important for a team that's clashed with two consecutive coaches. That said, again, great basketball mind. So if he is truly interested in the job and the Pacers and their players are receptive to that this might be, you know, he's more, I don't know what the, I don't know what the perfect word to describe his style is, honestly. Um, but if the pay, players are receptive to him being their next head coach, maybe that would be a good fit. Um, so that could be a blessing in disguise for the Pacers that he is now available. Sounds like they're looking at Jamal Mosley, one of their own assistants for their job. But again, coaching Luka, super appealing. That job might be the most appealing in the NBA, that one or Boston to me. So just another place the Pacers have to compete with for their next coach. So, so many coaching things happened between last week and this week that I said I wasn't going to talk about it anymore, but I have to 
Um, so the Pacers search just got a little more challenging. Uh, it seems like you know a lot of the guys that they would want or that they have been linked to in reports, you know, Stotts and, and uh, Steve Clifford from the Magic and Shaw, like they'd still be uh, – they could still get those guys. Like I don't think any of the openings scream good fits for those guys I just said, but it just becomes a little harder. I'm sure those guys will interview everywhere. The other guy that's been linked to the Pacers from the Indy Star was Mike Budenholzer, and he is the last bit of coaching news today. The Bucks. Pulled it off. They they took out the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, some injuries really helped them out, but they you know they they pulled it off. They had a great defensive overtime uh, on Saturday night to beat the Nets and a really brilliant series. They closed it out. Giannis looked fantastic in that game, and so the reporting suggests I forget where this was exactly from, but Bud might have saved his job in Milwaukee by winning that series. And Nate McMillan, former Pacers coach, pulled off the upset for the Hawks against the 76ers. Although over a seven game series, can anything really be an upset? Like Compared to maybe betting lines, or what was like the common thought before the series, yeah, it was an upset. But if you beat a team over a seven-game series, I, I find it hard to call that an upset. Like you, you beat them four times. That's it's hard for me to call that an upset. But anyway, McMillan's Hawks got it done against the 76ers, and they will be playing Budenholzer in the conference finals. Interesting twist of fate. If the Bucks, though, who are now having home court advantage in the conference finals, can pull out that series, I find it very hard to believe Bud would get fired. So if the Pacers had interest in him. It's looking like that's not going to be a possibility anymore because of how things have gone for the Bucks. So credit to the Bucks; they deserve it. They're in the they're in the conference finals. Credit to Nate McMillan; he also deserves it. He's done a great job coaching the Atlanta Hawks. Already has them looking great and having a bright future. Trey Young has had a really fantastic playoffs. Kevin Herter just had a fantastic Game Seven. So a lot of coaching stuff going on in the NBA. Sounds like Bud might be less of an option for the Pacers, but some other guys could still be in line for them. And the other openings just add some more candidates they could potentially look at. So we'll see where this all leads to. Bjorkren's down in Canada. Who knows? Maybe he ends up with the Raptors next year. Just a lot of coaching news from the Pacers front this year. But let's talk about the other stuff that happened in the NBA last week because uh, there was a lot. And some of it is sort of Pacers adjacent. Uh, so let's get to it. But first, I got to talk to you guys about Bill Bar. You know it. It's locked on Pacers. I'm going to do it because they are making the best tasting protein bars ever. I've said it a million times, and I actually mean it. They have sent me... Many flavors. I have bought many of the variety packs myself because I can't stay away from them. They're delicious, 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew protein bars that are actually good. Most protein bars suck, but Built Bars are delicious. My favorite flavor is the peanut butter brownie, but they have the um, their mixed pack with nine delicious flavors that has something for everybody, right? Double chocolate, salted caramel, cherry, mint brownie, raspberry, all in there, plus some more. Go try them out. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, but only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, all one word. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So the NBA news did not just stop at stuff that had coaching or actual direct Pacers impacts last week. There was injuries on injuries, right? Kawhi Leonard has... A knee something, sprain, ACL sprain. I don't actually know what it officially is. The Clippers haven't said it or ruled him out for the playoffs or anything. But I was thinking about, you know, that this will be sort of a Pacers-related thing before we get to actual stuff that could affect the Pacers. Kawhi had that injury, and then Chris Paul had his... Uh, he's in health and safety protocols. He missed game one of the Western Conference Finals, so the Suns still won that game. He might miss game two, who knows. And... Joel Embiid still has dealing with his meniscus injury and uh, Kyrie Irving's ankle stuff kept him out of the rest of the game he got hurt in plus games six, five, six, and seven. 
James Harden looked really hobbled when he played. So there was this injury news, right? Kawhi, Chris Paul, Kyrie, and Mike Conley even uh, returning from his injury. And, and Donovan Mitchell was hurt too. All this injury stuff sounds like it doesn't really affect the Pacers, but like the Jazz go out in round two now, right? Instead of making it really far, making the finals, making the conference finals. Who knows how that affects like Mike Conley's free agency, for example. Or, the, oh my gosh, the Sixers, the sky is falling. Joel Embiid was still really good in that series. They were like plus 51 with him on the court. But they lost. And so his injury, like slightly being off in the fourth quarter of game five, four, four, might lead to like Ben Simmons being on the move at some point, right? Or, okay, the Nets had all this stuff happen. Like what's going to change with them? Or, or the, the coaching changes as a result of the stuff, right? Like technically none of this affects the Pacers right now, but in the future, the ripple effects from these things, you could impact any team at any time. So just, I, I wouldn't ascribe these things as just like write them offs, not technically Pacers related. Like at first you could have thought now if the Bucks had lost to the really injured Nets, Bud's fired for sure. And then their pace, the Pacers coaching search is drastically impacted by that, right? So all this stuff could have mattered at any time. That said, it, it'll be a ripple thing that would we won't find out until much later in the offseason. But with the injuries, always think about the big picture. How does this, could this make this team lose earlier? Could this alter the league in a significant way that hurts the Pacers or helps the Pacers, right? Always, be, I always am trying to think that way and explain it to you guys. But I don't think right now we can really know of what the injury situation and how it affects the Pacers could be. You know, some guys could be on the move who might not have been before, but we won't find that out until the playoffs are likely over. That said, though, there was a trade last week, a trade in the NBA before the draft combine. That is improbably rare. So maybe some of these guys will be on the move earlier. Who knows? But the trade, Kemba Walker off of Boston with a first-round pick, the 16th pick, three behind the Pacers to the Thunder in exchange for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a second-round pick. I think there was another second in there that got swapped. Doesn't matter. Kemba will be very available, like probably right now, honestly, but his value is really low. He was really stinky in the playoffs and got hurt. Um, so if the Pacers want to swing at that, that this is probably the most available Kemba Walker's ever going to be. And a team like OKC, who has way too many draft picks, not in like a bad way. You can never have too many draft picks, but like they literally have more than the number of spots a team gets on a roster. They have to consolidate those for other assets eventually. If the Pacers don't like the, who, anybody at 13, they want to move back to 16. Or they like a lot of guys at 13, and they want to move back to 16. The Thunder could be a fit for a trade there in a way that the Celtics couldn't have been as much. So... With a trade like Kemba to the to the Thunder, you kind of get more options for the Pacers. And I have a podcast planned with a bunch of names for later in the offseason of maybe not stars, but like big names or guys who could be star level that the Pacers could, in theory, acquire this summer. Kemba is on that list uh, for spoiler's sake. And obviously he wasn't very good this season. He's dealt with a ton of injuries. There's a reason the Celtics basically just had to salary dump him. But this is definitely could be a Pacers-related thing. And this is what I kind of mean with the injuries as you, as you kind of turn this is like, Kemba's now more available than he ever was before. And the team that has him always is looking to add more assets and trade. And you wouldn't give up any assets for Kemba. He just got salary dumped. But you know, you always look at how this stuff could could come to the Pacers. It's like, oh, if the, if the season starts and they realize they can change the roster and have Kemba Walker be their point guard, maybe they take that risk if it doesn't cost them any assets. Oh, they can slide back four spots in the draft and pick up good assets that'll help them in the future. Maybe they do that, right? So this kind of stuff always matters. The Celtics probably got a little better from this move, which, you know, doesn't help the Pacers. They were only two spots behind the Celtics in the standings this season. They'll definitely be healthier this year. So that certainly hurts them as well. Um, But that's another one I wanted to talk about. And be on the lookout for the 
I don't know what to call it. Not stars. None of the guys that I, I have on the, the list of Pacers, like big, meaningful upgrades, I guess is the right word, podcast that will come out probably early July uh, when we start doing free agent previews and profiles and stuff. The last bit of news that I think has some Pacers-related consequence, the Mavericks, Donnie Nelson, their GM slash president of basketball operations, I forget his exact title, out. He's out. They are shaking up their front office. They hired a search firm for a new president slash GM again. Title doesn't matter. Decision maker. Their lead decision maker. Um, remember, I only say this is Pacers related because last year, the Sixers, before they got Daryl Morey, remember, they had some interest in bringing in Kevin Pritchard alongside of Elton Brand. And then they ended up taking Peter Dinwiddie into that Philly front office, right? The Pacers cap guy. So Ted Wu got fired. Are fired, excuse me, Ted Wu got hired into the Pacers front office as a result of that. And then also last April, really got to go back in time here, this is 14 months ago, when the Bulls were searching for their president of basketball operations, they hired Arturis Karnisovas. They, I think, requested permission to interview Chad Buchanan in the Pacers front office. At that time, he declined that to stay with the Pacers. But remember, that like these guys are in demand for other positions, right? And this, this season certainly did not look great for the Pacers front office, especially with the Bjorkren stuff. But those guys are in demand for a reason, right? They've been around the league for forever as well. So it wouldn't surprise me to hear their names in any sort of Mavs search uh, or you know, it be con- in consideration for that job. I'm not saying they'll get it or they'll leave the Pacers, but it would not surprise me at all to hear that kind of stuff happen. And any opening of front office and coaching jobs always will affect. There's only 30 teams, right? There's always going to be some impact uh, on every team in the league. So that's everything. Tons of Pacers news, tons of stuff around the NBA that has some sort of effect on the Pacers. Um, So, yeah, uh, this week again, draft lottery tomorrow. We'll break all down tomorrow what the Pacers' chances moving up are, if there's anything they should – I mean, obviously you want the number one pick, but like what they're rooting for, what the tiered lists are, what they don't want, all the other consequences like Eastern Conference teams not moving up, all that. That's another dorky thing I like to talk about. With the draft lottery, so me and Adam will break that all down tomorrow and he's officially back. And then Wednesday we'll do a show recapping the lottery, what it means for the Pacers and where they are. And then we can start doing mock drafts and really getting clarity on the Pacers' offseason when their pick is locked in. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun week on the show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you tomorrow.